0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: All right, this is what's known in the business as a uh, great lead by Joey Knight and his story in the Tampa Bay Times about the Bucks workout with the Titans. On Thursday, a day after dropping an assortment of passes, the Bucks collectively... Appeared ready to drop their gloves. It was a fight day, um, I guess you would say out there, uh, Joey. We were there. Uh, it was obviously hot, like walking on the sun. Totally different temperament than it was on on Wednesday's practice for the Tennessee Titans and the Bucks. Um, what did what did you make of it? What did you see?
2: You know, I think that Jamel Dean, the the cornerback, put it best. Rick, when we asked him about the extracurricular stuff Thursday, he said, it's hot, it's intense, and we're just competitors. These guys have been out there for a month in the dog days. Mm. And, you know, we've talked about this, Rick, you and I have covered a bunch of combined training camps in our day. And this this one's as sweltering as it gets for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But these guys have been out there for about three weeks now. Yeah. They finally get a chance to to hit on somebody in an opposing color jersey. Uh, you know, combine that with the fact that they did not have a very sharp practice, at least offensively on Wednesday. So they were challenged. Bruce Arians told us that uh, the coaches kind of got in their grills a little bit after Wednesday's practice. So you combine all those factors and you knew it was going to percolate sometime. And it did right at the outset. You know, you had those they start out with some individual stuff and we had receivers going one-on-one with DBs in a session and Antonio Brown animated as he is thought he got held on one on one pass play uh, jumped in Chris Jackson's face a little bit and the rest is hysteria or history or whatever you want to make of it and that was the first in a number of skirmishes we saw we saw uh, on Thursday but Again, like Jamel Dean said, it's probably something we should have expected, you know, when you combine the heat and the competitive fire and just, you know, the way these guys were, were challenged by their coaches.
1: Yeah, Antonio Brown remembering uh or reminding everybody of just what an emotional player he is, sometimes to his detriment. Um that's been seen on and off the field, but, but um he kind of got things started. And then I thought it was interesting too. Um there were certain drills, particularly um, when they were doing double teams uh, inside uh, the Gunners, going down, covering punts. It was interesting because both teams were on the sidelines watching this, and it became sort of a rallying point. You know, it was it was a little like uh, relay races or something where uh, the teammates were screaming and cheering and declaring winners uh, as to who could, uh, you know, uh, beat the, the man in front of them. And, and there was some close contact with that and some extracurricular fights afterwards. And so... I think that drill itself kind of added, you know, to the spice of, of, of the practice for sure.
2: And you know, for all of Bruce Arians and Mike Vrabel's talk early in the week about how we're not yeah. gonna condone any fighting anything. <laughs> right. I think it's kind of something they wanted.
3: You know, sure. to be honest with you. They they sure. wanted
2: to see the intensity ratchet up a little bit. That's right. We're getting we're getting closer to, to the season. They mm-hmm. they want to see the real stuff start to ensue. Uh, I think that's another reason that they ch- that at least Bruce Arians and his staff challenged the guys after Wednesday's practice. Um, you know, Bruce didn't seem too terribly ticked off after after. The no, practice. He, you know, he was very tongue in cheek about it. Fighting. I, I didn't see any fighting. I just saw some little bit of pushing and shoving. I, I, I think this was exactly the kind of intensity and atmosphere he was looking for. He got it. They had two good, physical, intense days. And as a result of that, his front line guys got some quality reps. You know, not only offense, defense, but as you mentioned, special teams. And as a result of that, uh, the the front line guys, the starters, can take Saturday night off. They got their work in for the week.
1: Yeah, they did. They, they get a long weekend in, in essence, and uh, swatting flies is what he called what was going on <laughs> uh, in some of those some of those skirmishes. I am going to go even deeper with this because I talked to a couple coaches today. Uh, who for this podcast will remain nameless, um, at least for now. And I thought it was interesting because I kind of had this perspective, too, and I may write about it uh, or probably plan to in the Tampa Bay Times. Um, I think the 2021 season officially began for the Buccaneers on Wednesday. And here's why. Um, you know, it's one thing to say all the right things, you know, Super Bowl is over, this is a new year, right? All of that. I mean, we we know, we've listened, we've seen the ceremonies, we we, we saw the White House, the ring ceremony, all of that. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say it. But then you go out there and you face a Tennessee team, which has been to the AFC Championship game, okay, and, and fell mm-hmm. short of a Super Bowl, have never won one in their franchise history, I don't believe, at least as mm-hmm. the Titans, um, and – you know they're still very hungry to experience what the bucks have just experienced okay with the 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 meal that they have just just digested and I think that you know you can walk around with your chest out and 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 have these sound bites um but you think you're pretty good and you and you were you are um you look at the names on the back of the jersey, it's like we're loaded right we got Mike Evans and Godwin and brown mm-hmm. and you run right down the list. The defense is better and so on and so forth. But you know what happened was on, on Wednesday, I felt like they realized, hey, it's, you know, Tom Brady, just because Tom is here, he can't do it by himself. You know, this was the thing. He never could. Um, right. He needed lots of help. And so, you know, they were reminded of that when, at least on Wednesday, Mike Evans couldn't even get open, much mm-hmm. less cast a pass. Right. That was shocking to me Um, when Brady, you know, did have some guys open. They dropped balls because they were closely contested. And physically, I thought they 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 were, you know, manhandled a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. from that standpoint, I think they finally realized, at least in talking to a few coaches, that, you know what? This is what we, we had to grind. We had to go through this and earn everything we got a year ago. And, you know, that was the case certainly on Wednesday. And I think they fought back and, and rediscovered themselves, rediscovered themselves, uh, on Thursday and, and were more the team they were a year ago. And, and, and just, just, just the acceptance that, you know, everyone's coming after us. They're all hungrier than we are right now. And we're going to have to find it within ourselves, um, to sort of fight this. And, and, you know to me i thought that's what thursday was thursday was the start of of the realization that we're like everybody else and you know what all these teams out here are measuring themselves against us and we're going to have to rise to that challenge
2: I, I agree totally i think that's that's the perfect theory they can say they can issue all the rhetoric in the off season about how you know this team hasn't done squat 2020s behind us. We got more to prove. They can say all those things, but I think it was finally reinforced between Wednesday and Thursday's practices. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the Advent oh, Health Boy. Training Center just to hear those coaches choose some rear ends mm-hmm. a- after that Wednesday practice when, when they did not look sharp offensively, when they dropped a lot of passes, when they when the Titans' defense just flat out beat the Bucks' offense for the most yeah. part. I think that's when the message that you guys have not done squat. I yeah. think that's when it was once and for all reinforced. And you talk about it, Rick. You talk about Mike Evans really struggling to get open Wednesday. He got open Thursday. <laughs> he Him dominated. I, I, yeah. I saw at least two with my own eyes. I saw at least two beautiful yep. downfield Brady to Evans completions yes. where he, just, he got past the receiver. There may have been more, but but I saw two for sure. We saw... Antonio
1: Brown, the, same thing.
2: Antonio Brown, the same thing. We saw defensively Levante David get a pick in the end zone late in That's, practice. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw a pretty consistent pass rush on Ryan Tannehill. I, I saw Leonard Fournette play off Lenny, you know, little what appeared to be a little off-tackle run. Uh, yeah. Got a little physical afterward, and him and Ryan mm-hmm. Jensen got up into the grill of a defensive tackle. So That's right. Uh, you, you, you just saw a different team out there Thursday from Wednesday. And I think it's for the reason you just said that they Mm -hmm. finally once and for all got the message that 2020 is over, man. You guys have not done squat. Everybody, including this very good team we're practicing with is gunning for you. And you just saw a different team Thursday.
1: And I think the Titans were the perfect team for to send that message because like I said, Tennessee has gone far. They have a good team. Mike Vrabel is a very good coach. He's he, His team, you know, teams reflect your head coach very often in the NFL. It's a very physical team. It's one that will not back down from any challenge. They've been underdogs in a lot of games in the AFC. They're the ones that knocked Brady out of his last game with the Patriots. Um, his final throw, in fact, was a pick six in the playoff a couple of years ago. So, and, you know, and
2: Mike Vrabel admitted, Rick, after the practice, uh, you know, the Titans reporters asked him, what did you think of Thursday's practice? He said, I thought we sucked. I thought yeah. we got beat today. The Bucks beat us. Yeah. So, you know, that's from his lips.
1: Right. And, and I and I don't think he could say anything else with a straight face and be right about it. So, yeah, from that standpoint, it, w- it was good work. And, you know, and now these guys, at least the starters or the frontline guys, there'll be some others like Giovanni Bernard, who will play in this game. I don't know what – listen, I, I I go back and forth with the idea that Bruce Arians is not going to play any of these guys. I get it. You just had two tough days of work with the frontline starters primarily. Um, you didn't see a lot of reps you know, from the other guys per se. Um, this is still the preseason. You're still evaluating those last spots on your roster. You have a lot of competition at various positions for those. And so you need to get those guys on the field and get them as much film and playing time as you can to learn about them, et cetera. Makes perfect sense. That's what preseason is really for. Um, Mm -hmm. Having said that, there are three preseason games, and we didn't quite know how teams would approach this because with only three, there's an entire week off before the Mm -hmm. week leading to the first game. So uh, you have no games uh, instead of a fourth preseason game that would normally be played on about Thursday. Uh, and so, you know, were are teams going to look at this third game and treat it like the fourth game where they going to look at this third game and treat it like the third game. Well, it turns out Bruce Arians feels like it's, there's too much time that will lapse between what would be, you know, a quarter or not a quarter, six plays in the first preseason game until the, the regular season opener on September 9th against the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to play his guys. He's going to start them. At least we don't know how long they'll go. But he's going to start his guys in Houston a week from Saturday, and it, it's you know like anything else, it's football. It's risky. They knock on wood, right. except except for some offensive line positions, they've been very healthy throughout this camp, particularly their starters. He's given them days off. Uh, no one uh, again has gotten hurt just yet. But you're going to go out there and you're going to play all your guys: Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Levante David and Devin White and and you know Vita Vea and all. All these guys, JPP, and I don't know for how long. It seems risky to me, but I do get the other part that I think people miss about this decision is football. Football is different, man. Football is football. Mm-hmm. Like you have to yeah. play it, you know, and and it can't right. be, you know. Tom Brady can't be back there, and he's played 21 years. He probably needs at least of all right, but but still, right. it's one thing like what they did out here these last two days. They didn't hit the quarterback. For all the plays we saw made and not made, neither quarterback had the fear that he was going to get knocked to the ground. And I'm sorry, but that's a totally different – that is not what football is at this level. And so, you know what? The offensive line has to have that fear. They have to play with the intensity to protect their guy or he's going to get hit. They can't just like, well, you know, I gave up a pressure here – gave up a pressure there. We saw what Alex Kappa did, and, and Tom Brady luckily folded up like a cheap tennis, Bruce Arians would say. But you have to get the feeling of live football before you kick it off for the NFL on Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's what this next game will be about. I think it's about you know them knocking the rust off and 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 before they have to wait then another, what, 14, 10, whatever, how many days it is before they play a real game.
2: Right. You know, it, it's a very fine line with this particular team. I, I agree. Football is a different kind of beast, and you got to get the live work in. There's no avoiding it. So you got to run those guys out there and give them. You know, as Bruce Arians say would say, you know, get, get some, get the real bullets flying mm-hmm. for at least a few plays. However. The Buccaneers. These Buccaneers may have the least rust of any team in the NFL. I wouldn't leave them out there an awful long time. We've right. seen in in past preseasons that third game where the starters generally play sometimes into the third quarter. I certainly wouldn't take it that far. No I way. would let Mm-mm. I would let them maybe get a quarter in. You mm-hmm. know, just you know, I'm just shooting the breeze here, but. You know, let them let the offense and defense each get about three or four series in, and then I'd shut it down for the night. Because while teams, even at this level, need live reps, there's no substitution for it. This team, with everybody back, quite literally, doesn't need it quite as much as, say, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Jets, with you know, with 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 a brand new quarterback. So I think that's what we'll see, but we won't see it an awful lot this game this saturday on the other hand you've still got a bloated roster uh more than 80 guys there's another roster cut coming early next week you've still got some roster spots that haven't been determined you've got more than enough backup guys to go out there and play four quarters against the titans and a lot of these guys are fighting for their for their professional lives so you know i i don't think we'll you know like Bruce Arian said, we may see a little bit of Giovanni Bernard in the backfield just because he's a new guy and, you know, yeah. he just need, needs to get live reps in this offense and things of that nature. We may see a nickelback like Jamel Dean go in for mm-hmm. a few plays. But for the most part, Saturday's game is for the guys who are fighting, fighting for their jobs. So we're just, you know, we're, we're going to see some very intriguing position battles play out. Over four quarters, uh, you know, uh, you think of all the cornerbacks that are still on this roster and there's maybe one or two viable spots still open. You think of tight end Tanner Hudson and Cody McElroy vi- vying for that last tight end spot on the 53 man roster. That's right. what Saturday's all about. And then the next week you go, you get your starters, the live work for a quarter, quarter and a half. You get them out of there and you get ready for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's the plan, and we'll see if they can pull that off. But uh, you mentioned, you know, right there, just some of the battles, and you know, you get down to those last spots. It's there's not a finite number. Like, are you going to keep eight offensive linemen or nine? Are you going to keep right. five linebackers, four running backs, uh, you know, six receivers or five? It all comes down to special teams, and mm-hmm. you know, this football team right now, it, at least. From a depth standpoint, you know they're they're going to have a tough time getting through a game because they got a lot of injuries to the offensive line. They just signed, in fact, uh, a player from Seminole High School of all places, uh, uh, yep. among, Brandon among, Walton. Yeah, right, right here locally, and 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 of course, Earl Watford came in a week ago. He had to play pretty much the whole first game, first preseason game, but he has lots of experience, um, you know, in their in their offense from the Cardinals and the Bucks. Uh, it looks like Nick Leverett will be the starting center and may, may go the whole game. We don't know if Robert Haynes is even going to play in this game, even right. though it's a good sign that he practiced. Um, and you would think that he has a spot on the team. Uh, one of those guys, you know, Khalil Davis. I mean, you know, defensive tackle uh, has to show some special teams' ability to make this football team. Um, you know, you've got defensive backs. We saw Dee Delaney have a big play in the last preseason game. Um, you got guys like him and Herb Miller, uh, you know, Antonio Hamilton. I, I saw Arians just ripping into him for a bad rep that he had on special teams. And Hamilton played really, really well uh, in the first game. Um, right. Nate Brooks is in that mix. I mean, there's just – there's so many guys in so few spots. Uh, and I still think that it looks like to me that, uh, that Jalen Darden is going to make the football team, but are you okay with him – handling your kicks, you know, as a return man? Or uh, is there somebody else that could emerge from that? You know, is Keyshawn Vaughn, for example, who's done a nice job as a gunner, can he find another job uh, returning kicks or kickoffs? You know, that would be a big step for him. So that's sort of what this game is going to be because there will be cutdowns and uh, we're getting closer and closer to it. But it's really uh, a different kind of Of training camp a different kind of preseason with just the three games and i think everybody is sort of sort of feeling their way through it and and trying to figure out the best thing but um you know i'll say this you know i've done a lot of these you've done a lot of these i i think you can pretty much put together this team because it's it's got so many returning players but by the same token here's what we don't know like these guys all know how to prepare and it looks like they're in great shape but you know can some of these older players make it through the rigors of an entire season it's when i watch training camp and i see these guys go through this year after year after year it makes you wonder um you know sort of what is the motivation and the biggest one is Brady himself i mean tom brady yeah. has done everything in this game he can do and we saw him out this week now a couple days in what was i think the hottest practices i've ever been to i used to do 3 a days with Ray Perkins at the University of Tampa. So I I know what hot is. I know what long days are. Um, But after what was a very hot, what old school guys would say, oh, it's one practice, big deal, two-hour practice. Uh, His son Jack is down here. We've seen the joy of having him around that's brought to Tom Brady. But he's out there long after practice running wind sprints, covering him, uh, you know, with – I mean – I it's the more I'm around the guy the more I try to understand why this guy is still wants to subject himself to this and the only reason I can I mean he's wired differently right we're watching Michael yeah. Jordan we're watching uh Wayne Gretzky you know we're watching that type of athlete uh, that is singularly driven um, but this is football like it's not football mm-hmm. football's different man it hurts you know it's it's and, and he's got the personal trainer and all that but being around Brady has really given me if you see him every day, it gives you a different appreciation. Because you know what? He can still throw the football, man. He still oh. puts the ball on the money. Like some of those throws to Mike Evans and and you know in the red zone work to Gronkowski. I mean, the guy can absolutely, you know, still rip it. And 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 to his point, you know, as long as he can do it, why wouldn't he continue to do it?
2: You know what? John Romano wrote a great column in the Tampa Bay Times yes, about did. Brady and his son. And you know, he made a great point. You know, maybe Brady is just a 44-year-old kid at heart who just really loves football. And you've heard Brady say it in the past more than once. I just love to throw the football. I I just think, you know, we all have our (laughs) passions in life. Yeah. And and that's his passion. And when you bring your 13-year-old kid who's down on summer vacation to hang out with you at work, it just makes it all that much more of a joyful experience. Now, that doesn't take into account, like you said, just the rigor that he has to put his 44 year old body through. I just can't, it wasn't that terribly long ago. I was 44. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine going out there and doing that grind, that sweltering grind day after day, the way he does. Uh, But, you know, he, he's revolutionized, you know, the, the, the way, you know, one, an athlete manages their body with the TB 12 system. We all know that. So that's another component in it, but at its core, I think this is a guy Rick that just really loves what he does, has a great passion for football and says, "Hey, uh, I I'm blessed to have this body. I'm blessed to be in the condition I am in. I still love what I do. You know, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to to sacrifice, you know, July and August to to enjoy September through January or February." And uh, again, yeah. you know, when you throw your Your child into the mix, you know, taking your kid to work day, it just makes it that much more of a of a joyful experience. I I think we're just seeing a 44 year old who's a kid at heart who just absolutely loves what he does.
1: And he's really, really good at it still and better than anyone in the world. So why should he stop doing something he's loving and and still very good at? And that's what he's going to continue to do. All those things will be waiting for him when he's done. It's like they say, when you put the keys on the table in football, you can't pick them back up again, or usually you don't pick them back up again. So You got that um, right. Make sure you check out Joey Knight's uh, story on uh, the fight day uh, that they had with the Tennessee Titans in the com. Also, uh, he is previewing... uh, Saturday's game against the Tennessee Titans and those position battles, some of which we just talked about, that will be so key to watch since you won't get to watch the starters. You can watch for these battles uh, the final roster spots. So All of that on TampaBay.com. My partner in crime, Joey Knight. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate the time, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. I'll see you in that air-conditioned press box Saturday <laughs> night.
1: Yeah, you will. Keep your mask on. We'll see you later. Got
2: it.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: All right, Steve Versnick. uh, Earlier in the day, as we were out there uh, sweating profusely, the air-conditioned Tropicana Field uh, was uh, hosting the Baltimore Oils and the Tampa Bay Rays again. Not a huge crowd on hand for the matinee, but the Rays did sweep the Orioles. Man, I, I mean, the Orioles are having such a bad season. I'm sure there's not many teams they really feel confident against, but certainly the Rays aren't one of them. Is that, what, 15-1 and one against this baseball team? 15-1. and right?
3: one. The Orioles have lost 15 in a row. Oh. But I think we need to be a little worried about the Rays. Yeah? Yeah, I, I think we do. They only scored seven runs <laughs> on Thursday instead of yeah. the eight that they usually get in every game. That's anymore. true. So I I, I I think the offense is struggling a little bit. We might need to be a little concerned here.
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. I have they they've all just kind of feasted on Orioles pitching, especially Randy Orozarena, who's batting like five hundred in yeah. those fifteen or sixteen games. They
3: outscored the They're Orioles what thirty four to eight.
1: Gosh, I mean that's that's almost a Super Bowl score. Thirty one to nine was a Super Bowl score. I mean, it's just incredible. And the fifteen um,
3: wins is the most the Rays have had against one team in a season ever ties the Yeah. And they still have three more games in Baltimore next weekend.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure the Orioles will be up for that. Uh, <laughs> By the way, the, the good, Orioles,
3: that's a bad team.
1: It is a bad team.
3: They have no pitching. Know, and, and they look how like, did they
1: get how did they get that way? Because they had assets, right? They had Manny Machado, they had guys that they that they got rid of that. Jonathan Scope them.
3: and you know, you yeah. signed Chris Davis. Oh yeah, they have lots of players they've traded away.
1: Right. But they didn't get good returns. Yeah, apparently they didn't get the right guys back. They thought
3: they were getting good returns, and those guys have not panned out. And, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're going to trade guys like that, you've got to get the right returns. I mean, you know, the one thing you can say about the Rays is when they trade somebody, you know, David Price, they got Willie Adamas back. Uh, Blake Snell, they got Luis Patino and Francisco Mejia and some others back. I mean, you know, when they're trading their big guys, they tend to get good return back, Um, whether it's just the way they scout or – you know, whatever it is. I mean, we know the the Rays don't miss on many, whether it's signings or trades in that. And it's you know they they do a tremendous job of evaluating players and going, this guy can fit this way, or if we just help him fix one thing here, he'll be a better player. And and they do a phenomenal job at that. The Orioles obviously haven't done that well with that. And when you you know you've got players like Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado and go through the list there that they've gotten rid of, where's the return? you're not seeing it i mean you know in that lineup's not i mean Cedric Mullins is good um you know outside of that i mean you know they had
1: an all-star this year who is the uh, Cedric Mullins um, yep yeah he's yeah. at
3: the top of the lineup he's a good player you who's know the, who's
1: the, who's the guy that came back from cancer there's another guy um a Trey Mancini a, Trey Mancini's yeah. a good ball player yeah, he's
3: good um yeah. you know but w- we were we were before the game today a couple of us talking how many how many of these guys on the Orioles would you take on the Rays team?
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know that any of them make the team, really, uh, other than Mancini's other than one Mancini and, and
3: maybe a couple arms you like. Right. But beyond that, I mean, it, it's, you know, and it's hard, you know, Andy and, and Dave were talking about this on the radio a lot. It's hard to rebuild in the AL East because the teams are so good. And to rebuild and, and to see what the Rays and, and the Blue Jays have kind of done, they've kind of rebuilt it quick, both teams. You know they both have been go- gone through a rebuild recently. The Rays a couple years ago, and they were able to in the AL East rebuild it pretty quickly and still stay fairly competitive even during the rebuild. I mean they weren't winning it, but you know, the Orioles have just. I mean this has been a bad team for four years now. Yeah, and, and you and you're not sitting there going, well, they're ready next year's their year to start breaking out of it. I mean, you know,
1: no, there's no no hope really.
3: Yeah, you're, you're sitting there going, uh, ugh. I mean that's that's a it's it's a team that looks like they're already playing out the string, and you've got forty games to go.
1: Yeah, that's no, tough. A, that's it's a tough. lonely place to be. They're going to lose so many and again over a hundred, and it's just really tough. Also, tough is going to be the position that Michael Walker is in today as they uh, begin a series against the Chicago White Sox, a very good baseball team, as you know. Michael Walker, uh getting the start, I guess. Uh, his last two outings, Steve Versteeg. People are asking, could this be his last chance to stay uh, remotely in the Rays rotation or maybe with the Rays in general? He's 0-2 with an 11 7 ERA with 20 hits allowed in the last 14 innings. Uh, that is way too much hard contact uh, for a starting pitcher. And, and, you know, I don't know necessarily why they keep running him back out there, but it seems like he's running out of chances.
3: Yeah, I would think. Well, I think the biggest reason that they keep running him out there is who else do you have? Now, you're hoping this weekend Chris Archer gives you something, and maybe that's yeah. a possibility, right? Um, you know, could you move Waka to not be a starter and put an opener in front of him and see if that helps? If he doesn't do well tonight, absolutely, that's a possibility. I mean, you know, he's also going up against a good pitcher in, in, uh Lucas Giolito tonight, um, who's having a pretty good season. What a three eight three ERA. Um, the White Sox are a really good team. This is going to be a very good series. Um, they've got the bats and they got the pitching. I mean, I, I think it's, it's the three division leaders in the AL are the three best teams in the American League. Now, the Yankees are hot right now and getting healthy. Maybe they're the fourth. But, you know, I really think you could say the Astros, the White Sox, the, and the Rays are the three best teams. So now you're facing one of those teams this weekend. So it'll be very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, they got to get some guys back. I mean, it's just where they're at. And, um, you know, whether you know, eventually, hopefully, Fire Rising or Thompson and, um, you know, all those guys as they move forward throughout this thing. This is a big series. I think the Chicago White Sox are going to be a team that's going to be around a while in the playoffs when we get there. Um, they seem to have good pitching. We know they can hit. It's a really good lineup. Um, Tony Larusa it's at 70 – what is he, 75, whatever <laughs> – Uh, it's, you know, doesn't look good in a uniform anymore, but you know, um, he knows baseball, he's in the hall of fame for a reason. And he's got the white Sox playing as well as anybody in in the American league. So this is a nice, kind of a nice measuring stick on this homestand. You go from the Orioles to a step up in class. It'll be interesting to see if the race can, can match that. All right. So when we come back on Monday, we'll recap the bucks against the Tennessee Titans and that. All important game two of the preseason. The Rays, of course, will uh, continue their series throughout the weekend with Chicago White Sox. We'll have that, and next week I'm sure we're going to talk a little college football. Oh boy, because we are just a very short time away from kicking it off for real. Next um,
3: Saturday is considered week zero. That's
1: crazy to me. Yeah, yeah.
3: Where they're just a handful of games.
1: So cool. Yeah, we'll so. have to check out and see uh, see who's playing. See if my Arkansas State Red Wolves are one of those, but. Um, anyway, we're we're right there. It's college football season, man. It's football season, getting closer now. I'm starting to get a little stressed out. The uh, the Let's kickoff see. now less than two weeks away is that or three weeks away? Yeah, yeah. less than three weeks. away. So the away.
3: week zero schedule. I just pulled it up here. Uh-huh. You've got Nebraska at Illinois. Okay. UConn at Fresno State. All right. Hawaii at UCLA. Mm-hmm. UTEP at New Mexico State, and Southern Utah at San Jose State.
1: And there's about none of those games I'm interested in, but it's college football, so why not watch it? Nebraska,
3: right? Illinois, at least a Big Ten game there. Yeah, yeah. You know, Lovey's yeah. not in Illinois anymore, but Scott Frost needs to uh, show something. Ooh, ooh. He's kind of on the hot seat, and yeah, he uh, had some NCAA violations as well. So
1: I saw that. Yeah,
3: yeah. Then then Thursday the second, there's a whole host of games, and for a Thursday night, there's 16 games, including Jeez. USF at NC State. Right, you got some top twenty-five teams in action. The Coastal Carolinas hosting the Citadel, Ohio State's at Minnesota, Southern Utah's at Arizona State, uh, Weber yeah. States at Utah. So you got some top twenty-five action. So yeah, college football is here.
1: It's not much of a of a run up because it seems like they just started practicing like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. a week or two ago, and 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 here they are getting ready to to play some games. Of course, no preseason games. So that's uh, it's here, man. I'm, I'm telling you in football in Florida it's different dude it is I don't know what's going on with the weather folks stay hydrated um stay in the AC if you can but uh it's been some kind of hot out there I'm glad the first game is a night game they got five of them this year and hopefully some four o'clocks if they're uh, I think there's only one be. or
3: two one o'clock games at home this year
1: yeah and I think they're kind of pushed down the road I mm-hmm. think they're they're a little further down the road because in the first month of the season, um, I know they go to L.A. I know they go to New England. So they got some, you know, L.A. is a dome. Um, they got some dome games early on. So uh, I don't I don't think the heat and humidity will be quite the factor, although it could be an advantage, but it won't be early in the season. So, anyway, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.